All right, so as, uh, as Daddy was saying, we are still in Ephesians, and we are still in the first chapter, and we've been working our way through this long prayer that goes from verse 3 down to verse 14. So we'll be getting all the way through verse 14 today, Lord willing. And uh, we've seen that there were several ways to break down this passage, and again, this is for review. Uh, we've seen that this is all about um, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And we've seen some of those blessings uh, that we were chosen by God, uh, that we have um, been fully adopted into God's family. And, and when we were chosen, it was predestined that we would be adopted into the family and achieve all of the benefits of that adoption. We'll be talking about some of those benefits uh, later this morning. Uh, we found last week that it was through the work of Jesus that we have redemption from slavery to sin, and we have forgiveness of sin, and certainly spiritual blessings there. And we also saw that there will be a day, as it says in verse 10, that, that all things are going to be put right. Everything is going to be united in Jesus and put right, it says, in heaven and things on earth. Uh, in addition to looking at the blessings in that passage, we've seen that we can also break it down by looking at um, which person of the Trinity is, is being uh, highlighted. And, of course, we saw that God the Father uh, is involved with uh, choosing us through election. We talked about God the Son. Uh, in the redemptive work, and then today we're going to talk about God, the Holy Spirit. And all of these things have been related to the fact that the blessings that we have are because we are in Christ. And that word in Christ, or you'll see a couple times in Him, in the, in the three verses that we look at, or four verses that we look at today, that concept is mentioned four times. And so, it's always good to keep in the forefront of your, of your mind that, that it is our position in Christ that gives us all these benefits, not anything that we do, not what church we belong to, um, not country we are in, just it's because we're in Christ. And, and as such, uh, all uh, Christians uh, uh, share these things, and that's another basis for the unity that, that we should all be pursuing. So let's look at... Uh, at our text today, beginning in verse 11. It says, In him, and again, that goes back to in Christ, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. Um, this is a packed-in verse. In fact, <clears throat> I do my study on the computer, and, um, and I take notes in my Bible and so forth when I'm teaching sometimes, and, and especially in messages that I've been to. I just realized it was hard to, um, it was hard to read it from there because of all the... <laughs> all the comments that I put <clears throat> in the past. So let's break this down. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. And uh, 
so we could just stop there and, and what is this inheritance? And you could say that this, this gift, this inheritance was part of the package that was included in God's comprehensive plan. Uh, it says that this was predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So it says, in him we've obtained an inheritance. And it, we're going to, Paul is going to digress a little bit. He's going to come back at the end and talk about what that, that inheritance is. But again, we see this concept, which is worth highlighting, that everything that's going on, it says, in according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. This counsel of his will, if you think about it, it's actually a, a short phrase, but it actually is a supporting phrase for the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, if you think about something, you're thinking about it. It's not like you're discussing it amongst yourself. But that's what God does. He discusses things amongst himself. Um, in Genesis 1, we have this, uh, this concept of creation, and, and there's a we in creation. It speaks to the Trinity. So this counsel of his will, as the different parts of the Trinity are communing and fellowshipping with each other, um, all these things that are being worked out are in some way related to that wisdom and, and how things go. And Of course, we know that, that God is not going to be the author of evil. But as we see in Romans... And again, it's mysterious, but somehow even those evil things as allowed by God can be used by God to ultimately fulfill his purposes. And again, this is that part of that mystery that is being revealed to us that perhaps in glory we'll understand a bit further. But again, this concept that we requires that we take our own pride down a notch to say, okay, we're, we're in submission to to God's will that um, that uh, certainly he will work things out as he sees fit, but we certainly would want to cooperate with that um, as best we can uh, to the limitations that we have. But it says, this is another reason that we can have praise of his glory. Again, Paul's focus is on the spiritual blessings and reasons why we can Praise God. And it's because all this stuff is happening just the way God wants it to happen. With the timing, with the method. And it's all for his glory. You know, God didn't need us per se. It was his creativeness and his desire uh, for us to, to be another way to demonstrate his glory. But, you know, he didn't need us Everything was fine, just as the Trinity, but this was just another way for him to be glorified. So Paul picks up again in verse 13. It says, In him, again in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, 
were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So just like we've looked at working through the passage based on listing the blessings, and we've gone through looking at the passage on which person of the Trinity is working, this gives us another way to understand the passage, and that is with respect to time. We know that election happened, it said, when? Before the world was made, right? Long time ago. And then we talked about um, redemption on the cross, which happened 2,000 years ago, the work on the cross, and then transitioning to our, our life uh, when we got saved, when that salvation started to be realized. But now we're transitioning into the present because the Holy Spirit's with us now. So just another way to think about working through this passage. So when do we receive the Holy Spirit? There's been some confusion about this because there's some teaching about um, receiving in, in increments, you might say, in, in, in sections. And we know certain denominations that speak of um, maybe getting a little bit of the Holy Spirit when you're saved, but then maybe getting more of the Holy Spirit uh, after you're saved or some special baptism of the Spirit. And although, you know, in deference to our brothers who, who feel that way, um, I think most uh, of um, uh, Protestant Christianity uh, says the Holy Spirit comes when the person believes. So if we look at this verse, look at, look at, the, look at the flow. It says... First of all, you heard the word of truth. There was a day when, when we heard the word of truth. We heard the gospel. And through hearing of the word of the truth, the Holy Spirit uh, gives us that conviction of sin, and then we start to believe what God says about us, what God says about himself, and then there's salvation. So, again, in this verse, you heard the word of truth, and you believed. That's when... You get the Holy Spirit. That's when you get the Holy Spirit. Um, Dad and I have been using uh, Dr. Stedman's uh, little commentary to kind of help us in our prep. And I really like how he opens the chapter of this. It's kind of a cross between a devotional and a commentary. It's really kind of cool. I, I, I would encourage you to, to uh, consider this um, story that, that he relates it says, the great American preacher Dwight L. Moody was scheduled to launch an evangelistic campaign in England. Hearing of Moody's plans, an elderly English pastor complained to a younger colleague, why do we need Mr. Moody to come here and preach to us? He's an uneducated former shoe clerk, and he's an American for goodness sake. Who does Mr. Moody think he is preaching to us? Does he fancy he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? No, the younger pastor replied, but the Holy Spirit seems to have a monopoly on Mr. Moody. 
And then he goes on. He said that was true. In fact, D.L. Moody himself once observed, quoting, I believe that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride, selfishness, ambition, and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride, conceit, ambition in the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. It says, many people today miss this simple but profound truth about the Holy Spirit as given in Ephesians 1. When we placed our trust in Jesus Christ, we were sealed by the Spirit of promise. Our inheritance of God's riches was guaranteed. We already have all there is of the Holy Spirit. The issue that confronts us is, does the Holy Spirit have all there is of us? So I think that's a... I should probably just quit there, right? Um, that's, that's a good word that we get the Holy Spirit at the time of creation. And you could spend a long time looking at all the proof verses for that. I can certainly refer you to them. But uh, I think that's something you can trust. Um, the Bible does speak of times when there's extra fill and so forth. And, and I think that should be looked at as Dr. Stedman looks at it, that these are times when... when the believer has cooperated with God the Holy Spirit in such a way that, that there is extra power for a particular task and so forth. But we have the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation. So uh, it also says this, this uh, phrase, after when we receive the Holy Spirit, it says we were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean by being sealed with the Holy Spirit? And... I think the richness there is tied up in what do we mean by the word seal. And, and even today, uh, we use this in some of the same ways that they did back So, when you finish certain legal documents, and you go see a notary, and the notary does what? Takes that fancy pair of pliers and puts the seal on it, right? puts that seal, and that's, that's a sign of, um, of completeness, that things are finished. It's also a sign of authenticity, that at least one person believes your story, right? This is duly sworn, right? You know what, it, it says something like that, right? Duly sworn. You got, we got notaries, how many notaries you got? Are you a notary? They're all over the place. Uh, so... Uh, Duly sworn this day. So it means at least one person believes your story, that, um, that this transaction was done, it was complete. Um, you might also think of the word seal almost like a, a mark of ownership, um, almost like a cattle brand. Uh, there's, there's a seal here. I'm going to put my label on you. And in effect, that's what the Holy Spirit does uh, for us. It's assigned to us. And then there's a concept of uh, kind of security and protection. Um, uh, Dad's always said locks are to keep honest folks out, right? If you're dishonest, you can pretty much get in any lock. Um, so if you ever look out on your power meter, there's no padlock, right? What do you have? You got that little tag, right? It could be broken, but that's a seal, and that, that's to, 
to remind you not to mess with that. And if it is messed with, they'll know about it. So there's some security there and some protection. Um, when, when Jesus was buried and, and the Roman guards were posted there, what did they do? They sealed the tomb. So they would know, okay, this will know if this has been tampered with. I guess they really knew. Um, sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So practically, as it moves into this guarantee of our inheritance, um, guarantee of our inheritance, we talked about spiritual blessings. And in verse 11, it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance. So what is this inheritance? Now some translations read that we are God's inheritance. As if God is, in effect, receiving something from us. And, and there's a sense that some of that's true, that, that, that we are his possessions. And, and, and he takes us into his family. So in some respects, we are his inheritance. But the, the weight of this verse is that we have an inheritance from him. And even though we have so many blessings now that we've talked about, that's just a little bit. And the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a reminder, a guarantee. Um, some translations say a down payment um, for what there is to come. So... If you, if you connect with God and, and, and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's confirmation, security, um, anticipation of all the blessings that are yet to come. Uh, this, um, it says, guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Um, throughout Scripture, there's this concept of I don't know if this is what theologians call it per se, but they certainly use this term. They says there's the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. That there are things that we have now. We are as saved as we're ever going to be. Right? We're not as sanctified as we're going to be. Um, God looks at us with the righteousness of Christ. That's the way it is. But we're not fully there yet, right? We're progressing toward that in this life, and then that will be completed when Jesus unites all things under him. So there's the now and the not yet. So at some point, we're going to get all of our inheritance. That's the whole point of an inheritance, right? That eventually you get it. Um, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Um, the um, New American Standard says the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge, that word that some translations say down payment, the pledge of our inheritance with review to the redemption of God's own possession. That there is this um, 
you got the pledge, and then you're going to redeem it. You got the guarantee, and then you're going to take possession of it. It's a cool word there that I think is neat. It actually says, the guarantee of our inheritance until the walk-around. The guarantee until the walk-around. Which was a phrase that meant, if you bought a piece of land, what you would do is, you would, once the transaction was settled, you went to the piece of land and you walked around it. And that's how you essentially staked your claim and you were saying, this is my land, I'm going to do the walk around. I just think that's a cool little uh, phrase that I had not uh, heard before. So it's the guarantee of our inheritance until the walk around. And that just sounds so real to me. We're going to, one day, all these things that God has promised us, we're going to get to walk around it. We're going to get to claim it for real. You know, something you can, you know, some stuff in Scripture is kind of a theory, right? It's hard to get your hands on it, so to speak. But this is something that's tangible. It's, it's until walk around. I, I just think that's, I just think that's a nice picture. Mark, can I interrupt? Yeah. But you have to talk loud. Okay. Heard a lot an old preacher say this one time and it kind of stuck with me. The pledge. How many of you have ever hand cranked an ice cream freezer? Have you ever had your son or or child sit on it, you know, to, to make it where it's where it's right? Who who was the sitter? <laughs> and and the first thing you did when you couldn't turn it in anymore was what? You took the dasher out and you put it in a bowl and what did you do with it? You laid it. But as Art is telling you, that's the pledge. There's more in the bucket. What was on the dasher is the pledge. The Holy Spirit is our pledge. There's more in the bucket. Yeah. 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 I thought you were going to say, and then we pranced around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, while you're on that subject, it's something you'd be very familiar with. Is in construction work, when the contract is finished, the owner is required to go around punch this. And, and inspect everything and... and and it's called the, the walk around or, or the acceptance before the building is actually turned over to the owner. Excuse me. I think that's was, was great. I, why haven't you told me that one? <laughs> that was good. Um, get your reading glasses out, those of you that... Is there anyone that doesn't need reading glasses? I, I mean, I, nice. You got the contact thing, or the cataract thing? There we go. Um, mine are built in, all right. This didn't come out quite as, but this really transitions into um, how I want to end up today. Uh, you know, last week we talked about this, um, uh, this time of Jesus' birth, and when he went to the temple, and Simeon got to see the Jesus that had been promised. 
And of course the prophetess Anna was there and um, got to hold the baby Jesus. And they had been looking forward to that day. So today, we're, we're in that situation that we have God with us, uh, specifically in the form of the Holy Spirit, but things aren't fully where they need to be. We haven't fully obtained our inheritance. Um, we're, we're not into the bucket yet. Um, so we can also continue to look forward to Jesus coming when all those things will be set right. So I thought it would be um, just a nice uh, thing. Those of you that sing uh, can um, join in with this uh, great hymn. If our sound system works right, um, of come now long expected Jesus.
Merry Christmas.